up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. What a great store they are. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean and Patrick Stebbin on the ones and twos, as always. We got a quick kind of in-between games here, like we mentioned on the last podcast. It's our first week with four games, so we got to squeeze one in when we can because we're definitely not going to be doing it on Thanksgiving. So a, a pretty crazy game to go over here, Arif. I mean, a 7-5. to five. Bless you if you took the over and had the puck line. Man, you're a happy guy today. But uh, were you anticipating a 7-5 to five game whatsoever? I was not in. Uh, I, first of all, I was not anticipating seven to five. Second of all, when the Avalanche scored fifty seconds into the game, I thought they were going to run away with this, like nine to one. So, like, right. bless the Sens. Uh, I'm going to use the word that Jared Bednar used yesterday after the game: opportunistic. Because Ottawa, at no point did they feel like they were in the game. The Avalanche dominated play; they controlled the puck. But when the Senators had a chance, they scored and they did a good job at it. And obviously Darcy Kemper didn't have the best game, but they were opportunistic and it's, you know, all the glory to them for that. Like kudos to them coming off a week long COVID break. I really genuinely thought the avalanche would score seven or eight goals. I just didn't think Ottawa would follow it up with five. Yeah, absolutely. All the respect to them and coming out as strong as they did, I guess. Is that a testament more to the way the Senators came out or did the avalanche maybe were they a little bit soft on them? I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Sens were ready to play some hockey after that week-long break. Uh, maybe COVID, you know, last year we saw a lot of teams come out of the COVID break and really just be sluggish to start. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. But maybe <laughs> now that everybody's vaccinated, a lot of these guys were asymptomatic and were fine. So they just kind of came out of the COVID break feeling a little bit better than teams did last year when they were actually like, you know, bedridden and really sick from COVID. So... That's an assumption. I don't know if that's the truth, but they 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 had a little bit of a kick to them, you know, throughout the game, even though they didn't really get much opportunities. Again, this is a team with four wins going against the Avalanche that had won four straight games and is scoring a million goals every single time they get on the ice. So um, I think they did pretty good, all things considered. And the fact that, I mean, like, let's face it, they, they just barely walked away with at least one point. And if it gets to overtime, it's a coin flip. Alex Newhook's game-winning goal came with 93 seconds left. Yeah, I think that's some pretty logical reasoning that you have there. I think it makes absolute sense. And when, uh, you know, you're that early in the season, too, in the sense, skates are in their shoes, I think you're itching to get back on the ice, right? I mean, it's like, man, we just kind of got our swing. We just started getting momentum. We just got comfortable in the season. Now we have to sit for a week. So I think they were really chomping at the bit to get back on the ice. And, uh, yeah, props to them for doing what they did. I think it was kind of crazy that, that the game had everything, right? The Avs kind of went up. Senators tied it. Avs went up again. Senators tied it. Senators go up. Avs tie it. Senators go up again. Avs tie it. So a lot of back and forth. And Avs lost the lead twice. And then took the lead from the Senators twice. So that was kind of wild. Big roller coaster there. I've never seen so many score changes. Like you often see a team score and get the lead and then it goes back to a tie game. Maybe it stays as a tie game for a long time and then they get another lead and then they win 3-1 or something like that. But to have the score change that many times where it didn't just go Avs lead, tie, Avs lead, tie. There was a Sens lead, tie, Sens lead, tie. And that was all in the third period. Like the Avalanche outscored the Sens 4-2 to two in the third period alone. So there was a lot going on yesterday, but I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're the Senators, you're happy with how you did coming out of COVID. And if you're the Avalanche, you're not too happy with how the game unfolded. But in the end, it's it's November 23rd or, you know, for yesterday's case, November 22nd. You just won your fifth straight game. Your goalie didn't play that well, but you scored seven goals again. You're going to clean things up. You still got months to go until the playoffs. Take the two points and move on to the next one. Yeah, there was never a two-goal lead until the very end when Nazem Kadri buried that empty netter, right? And uh, I think the real statement here from the Avalanche was, and I'm sure you can relate here, watching that game, even when the Senators went up at times, I still never really felt like the Avs weren't going to take over, weren't going to win eventually. Not so, at all. I, and I think that's something that we've noticed with this team a lot lately, right? They kind of have that confidence, that resilience to them, that even when they're down, they're still fighting. Even when it looks... Like they're they're getting kind of screwed over on the luck side of things, right? Because that's kind of what it was. The Senators really took advantage of a few shots, and I think they only had two in the second period, right? Am I wrong about that? It was something like I think they, it was four. I think they must have ended with four. four. By the time they got their goal, they had only had two. Um, exactly. So yeah, I think 
it was just good resilience from the team is what I'm trying to say. Just to be able to to grind it out, finish the win, and it, it was late, right? I mean, the new hook goal didn't even come till a minute and a half le- left in the game, but they were able to get it done, and again, at no point were you really sweating it. Yeah, I mean, what was it? It was three or four games ago when they were in Vancouver, the first game of the road trip, when Vancouver was leading 2-1 to one, heading into the third period. At no point during that game did I actually feel the Canucks were going to squeak it out. The Avalanche took that early one nothing lead against the Canucks. They dominated the first 10-11 minutes, and then the Canucks played a good period and a half, but you still felt confident going into the third. And then obviously Vancouver started taking penalties. We saw Quinn Hughes break his stick over Gerard, and McCarr scored. I think Kadri scored, um, you know, have you heard that before? Kale McCarr scored and Nazem Kadri scored. It seems to happen every night now. But even with that game, it was the same exact thing here. And the funny thing is about the third period, the Ottawa Senators, obviously they went into the third with a power play. So let's let's go over that second period again. Let's kind of paint the picture here. Colorado had the first 17 shots. Ottawa only ended up the period with four. The Avalanche ended up having 19. Throughout the second period, Colorado was only able to score one goal during that 17-0 shot run. They had two power play opportunities, couldn't score on either one. Somewhere in the middle of all of that, Darcy Kemper had to leave the game because of a a skate blade that ended up coming out and the holder for the skate blade ended up breaking. So he had to go to the dressing room to get that fixed. Jonas Johansson comes in the game, faces one of those four shots, makes a save. Darcy Kemper comes back in the game. The first shot he faces, he's got a clear view of it. It's a wrist shot and it goes right in. And I don't blame him. Like, you know, (laughs) when you come back into the game like that, it's not easy. So suddenly it's a tie game. The shots are pretty much lopsided as can be. They ended 19-4. And on top of all of that, the Avalanche took a late penalty in the second period. So Ottawa went into the third, tied 1-1 in a period where they were outshot 19-4, feeling better about themselves and the team in the home dressing room because Ottawa also got a power play going to the third, which they scored on. So like, it was just a very strange period altogether. But when the Sens took that lead, um, I'm not going to lie, after the Ottawa goal, I had to run to the bathroom because in my head, I'm like, this game is going to get really, really crazy here. And as soon as we get close to the end of the third period, I got to prepare to go down to the press room. So I went for a quick bathroom break. And as I'm washing my hands, I hear the goal horn go off for Kel McCarr tying the game. Suddenly it's four to four. I come back and take a seat. Ottawa scores right away. It's five to four. I look down at my computer. I look up. The Avalanche score, it's five to five. Like it just kept going back and forth. And all this happened and we're still, you know, nine and a half minutes into the third period. But at no point during any of that, even after the second sends goal in the third period, did you really think Ottawa's got a stranglehold of this game? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I guess let's let's get into Kemper's game a little bit here because I, I guess you could really pinpoint that as being a reason that Ottawa stayed in the game. First of all, let's address the the skate issue, right? I mean, there's nothing he could have done about that. His skate just came undone. And then when he got smoked on the side of the head for a goal, that sucks. It's a horrible feeling. And not only that, but it kind of busted his helmet a little bit. He had to go to the bench and get some work done on his helmet. I'm not saying either of those are his fault, but I feel like he's constantly dealing with equipment issues. Either he's an equipment diva or something's just goofy and up with his equipment well he bought his goalie helmets from walmart this year so apparently there is an issue there we saw him in the i'm just kidding we saw him in the beginning of the year i think you mentioned it he was wearing his arizona coyotes helmet and i was going back and looking at pictures and i'm like no he wasn't and i had to have a fan actually direct message me and be like hey just so you know halfway through the second or third period darcy kemper had to go change his helmet because something happened yeah i see it's It's happening a lot this year it's it's all coincidence. It's all coincidence. This isn't one of those things where it's like, do we have to talk about the Avalanche strength and conditioning coach because right. everybody's getting injured? Like, there's nothing there. It's a completely coincidental thing. Obviously, it's not his fault. Just, his skate pops off, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and he, his helmet and the snaps. holder breaks. It's, just, it's not just the skate blocks out, comes out. It's the holder. The holder for the blade broke. Oh wow! So they. If you noticed on the Jumbotron, yeah, that was something that I think um, it was either Newhook or Kadri, one of the guys that we talked to post game. We asked him about it and he was like, yeah, the holder that holds the skate blade. I don't know what you guys were seeing on Altitude TV, but at the rink on the big Jumbotron, they showed the guy, the Avalanche equipment guy, put the blade back in. And then they showed Kemper kind of like stepping into the ground, trying to like jam it in there. And then as soon as he comes up, it goes whoop, and it just kind of like kind of hangs there a little bit, just slightly out of place. So he had to go to the locker room, obviously, and Jonas Johansson came in. But let me tell you, the coolest part about that entire, well, not cool, but like the funniest part of that entire situation was 
Kemper was down on one leg. Do you remember when Pavel Francouz got injured in the in the preseason? He was kind of the same thing. He was like down on one leg, like waving to the ref, and where everybody's like, "What the hell is going on? Is he hurt or did he break a skate blade? Like, what's going on?" So when I first saw Kemper down, I was like, "Something's off." And then the first thing my mind went to, because I'm apparently not pessimistic about everything Avalanche related, the first thing my mind went to was, "Yeah, it must be a skate issue." The whistle blows, and then. It looked like it was a skate issue. And then suddenly the ref comes and carries Kemper and he's getting help to the bench the entire ring at the same time went, oh, <laughs> and as soon as everybody gave that reaction of like our life just ended because the starting goalie's out, the Jumbotron quickly zoomed onto his skate without a blade. And then you heard a collective, oh. Like it was the funniest thing from the press box to the fans, to the benches. Uh, it was, it was hilarious. It was like a, for about a second and a half, but it felt like an entire minute for about a second and a half. Everybody thought Darcy Kemper was hurt and you can already see it. He's out week to week, which means he's out till May. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. Equipment defects seem to be part of his game. And, and I don't, I don't love his performance last night. It's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, I don't really love either either goalie's performance they both were kind of shaky but they also both got hit in the head like three times each so um you know I guess how do you assess Darcy Kemper's game as a whole and I think you can point to that one goal that did go off the side of his mask as come on man you got to be a little bit cleaner a little bit sharper than that I know he kind of got bumped into but I, I it just didn't seem like he was on his toes for that one well no he was on his ass yeah that <laughs> The, yeah, the bank shot, his stick was, his uh, skate, sorry, was like stuck to the post. He was kind of jammed up against it. It was really strange. All I know is that Darcy Kemper gave us about seven or eight consecutive performances of just really solid hockey. And considering he's started 13 of 15 games, uh, seven or eight is a pretty damn good stretch. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to worry about one bad game. One bad game happens. If it starts to become a consistent, you know, a, a consistency thing where he's not always playing his best, then we should have a deeper conversation about it. I think the only big bummer about it is, and you know this because, you know, we're, you know, as, as journalists, we don't sit here and cheer for a team, but we're going to cheer for individuals. And my individual fangirl thing that I'm doing right now is trying to get Darcy Kemper to be the best goalie for Team Canada to start. So I'm constantly looking at his numbers. I'm watching his save percentage climb, 912, 913, 917, 918. And I'm like, yes, baby, you got to pass Jordan Bennington and you just got to be in the conversation. Well, he has that game yesterday, along with the third period in Seattle where he let in three goals and he's right back down to a 906. <laughs> so he's got to start right over again. We need seven or eight strong games out of Kemper to get him right back up to 915 plus, which is where you're going to start to look a little bit more respectable. Arif Dean leading the campaign for Darcy Kemper in the Olympics 2021. Let's just, get t-shirts made. Uh, Kemper 21. I want to cheer for Jordan Bennington. <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, even Fleury. Fleury's doing well right now. Chicago's won, a, you know, won four straight games, and Fleury's having a bit of a bounce back now. Uh, Carter Hart's doing well. Darcy Kemper's our guy, and he's a really cool dude to talk to. I don't want to cheer for Jordan Bennington as a starting goalie. I mean, I've already come to the terms with the fact that Binner is likely going to be on that team but I just don't want him to be the starter. And then obviously there's still the wild card of Carey Price. But regardless, Darcy Kemper will get it back. One bad game isn't going to make me want to sit here and have a big, long conversation about his game. How about those Team Canada unis, though? They were unveiled today. That red and black one yeah. just looks so clean and sharp. I, I'm a fan of those. It's it's tough to cheer against them when they're wearing those. I like the fact that they went with the black logo on two of the jerseys. Um, it's a different look, and it's got a very 3D look to it. But I'm all for it, man. It's like a step. It's like a step above what they had in 2014. I'm all for it, man. I love those logos, and I'm just getting so excited for Olympic hockey. It's also interesting for me to see kind of the way jerseys have evolved with fashion, right? Like now they're kind of more tapered to the body. They're a lot tighter, not as loose. Where I'm going to be whipping out my Team USA jersey during the Olympics. It's a Chris Drury that I bought, you know, back in the early 2000s. It's going to be baggy and loose, and they're just they're a different feel to them. Women in it, yeah. But I'm going to be rocking it. I shoot. I, I might have to buy a new USA jersey, just depending on how sharp and clean they are. When do those get unveiled? Any idea? Uh, I mean, I I don't think it's kind of announced. It's just going to come randomly, like Canada's did today. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll have a ton of options. Is you know, thankfully you don't have to decide between Jordan Bennington and who else, God knows what. But if you're looking for a Team Canada jersey, 
at goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be a pretty cool one. Yeah, that's true. For his last Olympics too, Ooh, right? I just I just realized this Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to get 29 over McKinnon, eh? I don't know. Yes, I just said Maybe they a. should do a 29.5. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really curious what's gonna happen there. Nathan McKinnon is gonna come out trotting in 92, looking like Landis Gogs. I so always, strange. I always felt insulted when Joe Sakic used to have to switch to 91 for Team Canada. Steve Eiserman, they're they're the same guy, and and Eiserman, I guess, won the coin toss. And Joe Thornton came in like 10 years later, and they're like, yeah, take a hike, bud. We we got the 19s. <laughs> so Joe Thornton wears 97. Oh, well, guys, I guess it's a great time to take a break and tell you about DraftKings, especially for this Thanksgiving. Be thankful for free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you cannot miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. All DraftKings customers can also get in on new same-game parlay offer that's sweeter than Grandma's Pumpkin Pie. For the Thanksgiving games, all customers get a risk-free bet up to $25 if your same-game parlay doesn't win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code MHS this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I don't know what you just said. All I heard was grandma's pie and a very confusing play about something about parlays and winning and not. But all I know is that in the end, it's DraftKings giving you money. So if you're a new customer, come to DraftKings, get some money. Go buy your grandma some ingredients to let her make you some pumpkin pie. Right. They're really trying to promote those same game parlays, which for a while they didn't have. They listened to their fans and they brought them on. And even at the start of this NHL season, you didn't see them much on the NHL games. Now they're starting to be a part of NHL games too. So jump on those same game parlays. And uh, I, I don't know what's taking you so long if you haven't downloaded DraftKings yet. But moving on, we got through the Darcy Kemper performance in that game against Ottawa. Let's get into some other individual performances here because there were a handful of good ones. And I want to group these two guys together. That's Nazem Kadri and Val Nichushkin. Obviously, we know how good Kadri's been doing. 19 points in his last nine games. His scoring streak continues. But had I told you this offseason, Arif, that the two most important players on this squad were going to be Nazem Kadri and Val Nichushkin through the first handful of games, would you have laughed at me, cried at me, or slapped me in the face? Uh, I would have done none of those things, but... I might be looking over my shoulder at Devon Taves looking at you going, what the fuck? What about me? Because I think he's up there too. But I think in terms of the offense, uh, yeah, those two guys have been really important. The Avalanche don't lose with Nachushkin in the lineup. And Nazem Kadri, this is all I have to say about him. Obviously, 19 points in nine games. We know that. What's even more impressive is 12 points in his last four games. But the only thing I have to say other than that is, did we do the Nazim Kadri fanboy episode too early a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago last week? I think we were a little too early on that because ever since we did that, we gave him a little bit of a hockey mountain high bump in the standings. He's got seven points since we talked for 40 minutes about Nazim Kadri just having a redemption of a season. Well, you know how we gave Andre Burakovsky the first star in, on Sunday's podcast to try, try to get his confidence up and keep his offense at a peak right well that's a Nazem Kadri is a guy that that actually works for and I think he hears the noise around him right not just our podcast but all the media around you're starting to see more Nazem Kadri I mean shoot today all over Twitter I saw Sportsnet I saw all the Canadian outlets finally noticing that Nazem Kadri is on a point streak here so I think that really just that affects him he likes that stuff he relishes in it and he's like yeah I'm doing well and, and he continues to do better with that he absolutely loves it. He absolutely loves being the center of attention in a good way, not in an arrogant way. Like the limelight, the spotlight, it's all on him. And he is thriving in it. Every single podcast from every single radio show and podcast from Ray Ferraro and uh, Darren Dreger to the guys at The Athletic to Jeff Merrick and uh, Elliot Friedman to everybody. They're all talking about Nazem Kadri having 19 points in his last four, uh, last nine games during this point streak. And more importantly, being fourth in NHL standings in points. You got a guy in Leon Dreisaitl that everybody knows. 
Oh, and then, you know, his teammate, Connor McDavid. I think we've heard of him. Alex Ovechkin, who's 36 and still riding high. And then, oh, who's fourth in the standings? Nazem freaking Kadri. He's got 23 points. He didn't hit 40 in either of his first two seasons with the Avalanche. He might hit 40 by Thanksgiving. There's only one more game to go. I'm just kidding. But like, he's going to pass last year's numbers so fast. Remember when I asked you if he's going to get to 68, which is the combination of the last two seasons combined? He's going to get to 68. Like, he's going to get there. It's it's unreal what he's doing. It's obviously a contract year, which is always nice because he's going to get paid from somebody. But damn, does he look good. It's not just the points. It's everything he's doing. His passing is on is on point. That, that setup to Devon Taves yesterday was just spectacular. Defensively, he's doing well. The face-offs, he's winning key face-offs and key positions. He's still drawing penalties. Granted, he took a minor against the Sens as well. He's doing it everywhere, man. He's thriving in the spotlight right now. Yeah, he even kind of got an accidental assist, right? And that's just kind of the stuff that happens when you're playing well. I know he meant that to go in the net, and it kind of went across the crease, and Val Nechuski right knocked it in. Val, yeah. But that's just a testament that they were both right there, right? They were both right there hunting down the rebounds, looking for the garbage to clean up. So very good of Kadri's game. Habibi of the show, of course. And, uh, yeah, you love to see what, what he's doing. I, I mean... Yeah. I mean, look, that entire line, we asked Nazem yesterday how it was like, uh, or, you know, how it's like to play with Berkey and Val and just what's working. He goes, you know, obviously understandably so. He goes, any line that works, you have three guys that all play a different role. And that's exactly what we have. Val is a horse. And like, that's literally all you need to say about Val is Val is a horse, which means he's a hardworking son of a gun that's going to do everything you need to do to score. And then Burakovsky loves to shoot and he's a scorer and I love to set up plays being, you know, Nazem saying this. So the line just works so well together. Something about that Nichushkin and Kadri combination, man. I still can't believe we spent weeks in the summer talking about Alex Newhook being the second line left winger, talking about signing Thomas Tatar, talking about finding a way to keep Brandon Saad or keep Jonas Donskoy until I think it was late August. The first time you and I mentioned it, we're like, wait a sec. Valerie Nichushkin is still on this team. How about we just put him back with Kadri and Burakovsky like they played before the COVID pause in 2020? And here we are. They haven't lost a game with Val in the lineup, and he's playing with Kadri and Burakovsky. Yeah, you, you, when you rattled off the top four scorers in the league right now, right, with Con- Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl being one and two, and man, they're on the same team. And it just makes you think, if Nathan McKinnon was at the peak of his game and he was healthy and he was doing everything we expect of Nathan McKinnon and to have McKinnon and Kadri in the top five, perhaps in, in points in the NHL, man, that'd be a sweet team. But Hey, the fact that they're still getting W's and they're still winning without McKinnon in the lineup and there are guys stepping up. I mean, you can't be anything but encouraged right now. One man's injury is another man's opportunity and Kadri's getting a ton of minutes with McKinnon out of the lineup, which is good because he needed a boost in his points. He needed a boost in his confidence and in his game. So now when McKinnon comes back and starts to take some of those minutes back, you're still going to have a red hot Nazem Kadri who Bednar is going to play even more because now suddenly you're thinking about Kadri as this version of Naz, not the one that started the season a little bit slow there after the first couple games. And the guy that got suspended last year was playing 16, 17 minutes some nights. This is the guy that you're going to rely on to be your 2C. And sometimes you can stack him on the top power play. You can stack him on the top uh, the top line and uh, use him as a left wing or right wing. Whatever the hell you want to do to get him and McKinnon playing together, you suddenly have a weapon that you can use wherever you want. And then McKinnon's going to come back and you just got back one of the top three, four players in the NHL. So feeling pretty damn good about the Avalanche right now. Again, because... McKinnon got hurt and it gave Kadri an opportunity to thrive in the spotlight. And that's kind of the difference of McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? They play together. So a lot of the points that one gets, the other gets too. So yeah. you'd have to have Kadri and McKinnon playing <laughs> together to have the same effect, which probably as, won't happen. As much as they try to separate them, they always end up back together. It's it's more comparable to McKinnon and Rantanen than it is McKinnon and Kadri. Well done. Well done there. Um, so yeah, let's get into Kale McCarr. I think he was a, a, obviously another notable. He got the second star, no, third star of the week from the NHL, second star from the Hockey Mountain High podcast. I got him mixed up. Which is more important. Right. They they both hold pretty, pretty heavy weight. But yeah, I mean, he, he's back on, he's still on his scoring pace, right? I mean, we mentioned it last podcast. He's playing well, but the, what I really wanted to point out was his aggressiveness in the offensive zone. And it's not just him. You see in Devon Taves, his goal, I mean, he was basically at the goal line last night, right? But 
I don't know if this was a tweak. I mean, that Avalanche defensive always have had an offensive mindset and had an offensive structure, but I'm feel like I'm seeing more and more aggressiveness from the defensive guys. I saw Kale McCarr leading the rush, waiting for a pass at the blue line. Like, hey, I'm I'm about to go on a breakaway here. Again, the Devon Taves goal. So I don't know if that was a a switch that was done on purpose or if it's just a natural occurrence of the game, but I'm loving the aggressiveness of the Avalanche DB right now. Was it a switch that was flipped or a flip that was switched? It was a switch that was flipped. It was a switch that was flipped. Well, he's been switching a lot of (laughs) flips lately because we asked Jared Bednar about, for starters, Kale McCarr, and we said, what's Kale doing differently that he wasn't doing in years past? And Jared said, shooting the damn puck more. And I think Peter Baugh actually followed it up with a question. Well, is that a conversation you had with him? He goes, that's a conversation we've been having with him for a couple of years. Basically, everybody knows Kale McCarr can bury the damn puck. But Kale McCarr won't shoot the freaking puck. He had 104 shots last year in 44 games, which if you do the math, comes out to just over two shots per game. Uh, He had, in his first season, 121 shots in 57 games. So again, just a little over two shots per game. He's got 39 this year in 13 games, which is exactly three shots per game, which is fine. He's finally up to the threes. But more importantly... In his last four games, he has 21. In his last two games, Ottawa and Seattle, he's got 15 shots on goal. That's the guy that you want running the show. That's the guy you want scoring. Kel McCarr's got two consecutive two-goal games. You want to know a fun fact? That's the first time in Avalanche history that a defenseman has scored two goals in a game twice in a row, which is already insane as it is. Wow. No, Yeah, isn't that crazy? Repeat that, just in case anybody Sandis- missed it. Sandus Ozolint, Rob Blake, uh, John Michael Lyles, Tyson Berry, all of the guys that have played here. He is the first defenseman, Kel McCarr, that scored a two-goal game in consecutive games in Avalanche history, which is insane. Like, that is a great number. It brings him up to five goals in his last three games where he's got 19 shots. It brings him up to seven goals on the season which, by the way, leads the Avalanche, tied with Miko Rantanen, and it brings him up to seven goals on the season, which is also one goal less than he had all of last year in 44 games when he was freaking this close to winning the Norris Trophy. And I know the Norris Trophy isn't, you know, the rocket Richard of defensemen. It's not who you give the most goals to. but Sure helps. Absolutely, it helps. Scoring as a blue liner is hard. Kale had 12 goals in his first season and then eight in his second so he came into this year with 20 career goals and he's got seven in 13 games. Like he's on pace to do like the Eric Carlson crazy numbers that we saw when he was in the height of his career, 2014, 15, 16, even 17. That's the kind of Kale McCarr we're seeing right now. And he's still so young. All he had yeah. to do was shoot the was puck shoot more. the puck. Yeah, and I think that's a problem that you find often with guys that have a high IQ, right? They they see that they have a shot, but they also see, oh, there might be a better play over there. So they try to make that better play, right? Alex Kerfoot comes to mind when I think of a, a guy who had that same problem. Never Very shoots. smart guy. Never shot the puck. Always was moving it. And when he when he did score, they were fun goals to watch too. So, um, yeah. Alex Tangay too. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, McCarr just getting some more pucks to the net and just, just shooting it, right? He's, he's at the level where he runs things now. He's not adjusting to the NHL game anymore, so he's got the shot to do it. He doesn't have to try so hard to make plays and just, just get the puck to the net because he's capable of scoring now. Exactly, and, and, and we want to see him shoot more. We want to see him score more uh, because he, he is capable of scoring 20 goals a year. I mean, he's on pace for more than a point per game right now, obviously or I should say more than 80 points. He's up to 15 points in 13 games. But more importantly than years past, he should have more goals to his name, and he's going to start to do that this year. And kind of like Jared said, he said, you know, it's it's easy to have a conversation with somebody and tell them we need you to shoot, shoot more. It's even easier when they do it and they score, and now I can just look at him and say, yeah, just keep doing that. So kind of, I told us so. Yeah, so exactly. I told us so. So it's kind of like Nazem Kadri. Kadri's having this hot start. So now when Nathan McKinnon comes back, you can still be like, do what you're doing. We don't need you to change anything. So now Kel McCarr finally shooting the puck more. He's scoring a lot more. And now you can just say, hey, just keep doing that. Well, what do I need to do? Exactly what you've been doing the last three games. You got five goals. You got four in your last two games. You've taken 15 shots in two games. You've taken 21 in four games. Keep doing that. That's all you got to do. 
the five games since Kel McCarr has returned, he's got 40 shot attempts. Obviously, some of those blocked, some of those missed the net. 40 shot attempts in his last five games. That's exactly wow. what you want to see from Kel McCarr. The Avalanche haven't lost since. You can kind of relay the same message to Alex Newhook too, right? Let's get into his goal. I mean, it was a huge goal, very pretty. I mean, the the, the awareness to kick it to himself over to his blade and just way too fast for Gustafson to recover. Uh, just a beautiful goal, great celebration and great timing. You love to see him on the ice with 130 and performing. So love it. Love Alex Newhook's goal there. So the thing with Alex Newhook is, He's still young. He's new. He hasn't been around long, but what he's doing is he's methodically picking out which goals to score and when because he's looking up in the press box at Joe Sackick and going, everybody called you Captain Clutch. They're going to start to call me Clutch now, not you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be me. You want to know why I say that? Because Alex Newhook has scored three career goals between the playoffs and the regular season, and every single one of them is a game-winning goal. Let's see how long he can keep that streak going. Yep, GWGs. I love it, and uh, it's just it's just good to see the way he, he's or I guess reacted to his send down. Right, you never like to see a guy kind of lose confidence in himself. Instead, he used it as fire, and I know that's something that we kind of talk about too much because he didn't really spend too much time with the Eagles. It was just a little slight slap on the wrist from Jared Bednar, but he reacted to it perfectly. So, um, yeah, props to Alec Newhook for being a mainstay in the lineup. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he only had one shot on goals yesterday. So Correct. for that one shot on goal to be the GWG, I'm with it. Kind of like the return of many other guys in the lineup five games ago. Newhook also returned five games ago after playing opening night. And here's what we got for numbers. November 11th, Vancouver, an assist. Next game against San Jose, goal. November 17 against Vancouver, zeros. November 19 against Seattle, assist. November 22 against Ottawa, goal. Obviously, the two goals being game-winning goals. Four games in a row, or sorry, four games out of five, he's got a point. The fifth one, obviously, no points, and he only played 10 minutes that game. But he's doing what he's got to do. He's slowly building his uh, his resume as an NHL scorer, as somebody who can point, produce points. And he's getting better by the game. And that's exactly what you want. Granted, you do want to see him shoot more as well. He's only got eight shots in, in uh, sorry, 10 shots in six games. So you want to see him shoot more because of those 10 shots, he's already scored twice. He's shooting at a 20% pace. That's not going to keep up all year, but shoot the puck more, man. Yeah, absolutely. And he's only 20 years old, so don't let him celebrate with, uh, you know, any adult beverages. But if you want to celebrate with adult beverages and keep drinking to these wins head over to total beverage now everybody already knows total beverage in westminster and thornton right sure total beverage has an incredible selection of beer wine and spirits but did you know they also deliver did you know that they also have curbside pickup available and with those new mask mandates going on across the state those curbside pickups are going to be huge you can just stay in your car and did you also know that they do online wine education? So again, you can just stay home, don't have to put on a mask, and become a sommelier yourself all from the comforts of your own couch. So if you didn't know those things, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBeverage.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. But yeah, Alex Newhook. Only 20 years old, so he can't go into Total Beverage yet. But Total Beverage, good people, big hockey fans support their business. And, uh, you know, you know, th everybody's going to be drinking here with the holidays. You got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, you got New Year's. Those are three of the most alcoholic holidays out there. So stop by Total Beverage for us as Patrick Stedman celebrates. <laughs> He's ready for the, for the libations. But moving on, Arif, we got to get to Jared Bednar. Uh, we failed to mention his extension in the last podcast. So before you get on to Jared Bednar, I'm actually going to mention Jared Bednar. Since we talked about Newhook, I'm going to give it a little bit of a negative twist. Okay. Just to kind of go off of what Jared Bednar was asked yesterday on Monday in the morning skate about not Alex Newhook, but the other guy, Sampo Ranta, if he's followed along with his game with the Eagles. And let me ask you this. When Jared Bednar wants to compliment somebody, what does he usually do? I think he talks about how hard they work, right? Yeah, and then he'll keep going and going, and he works hard, and he gets into the corners, and he goes right. into the boards and whatever. When he wants to say that somebody's not playing well, does he actually straight up say that? No, he's not a mean person. But what does he do? He usually keeps it short and uses phrases like, just okay. So when Peter Ball asked him if he's been following along with Sampo Ranta since his 
you know, uh, send down to the American Hockey League just to kind of see if it's something similar to what Newhook's done since he was, you know, after he was sent down and then called back up. And he said, yeah, I've been watching Sample's game. He's been just okay. If you're Sampo Ranta and you hear that from Jared Bender, that means you're not doing the right thing. So hopefully Sampo can pick it up because that's a guy that's going to be an integral part of this team for a very long time. Um, but with that being said, let's talk about the real Jared Bender news that you wanted to mention. Well, I guess let me talk about that first. Let's let's hop back and Go forth back and here. forth. Let's do it. I want to react to that because, yeah, I feel like that that phrase, that statement coming out of Jared Bednard's mouth might as well be a, a, an insult because, again, he's not going to come out and insult him. He's not going to come out and say anything bad. But to have Jared Bednar say you've been just okay, you know in his mind you're not even close to good enough because being just okay is so against Jared Bednar's philosophy. You have to be on your game, you have to be hardworking, giving 100% effort all the time, and doing it with skill. So being just okay, you literally couldn't be any further down the total pole in Jared Bednar's eyes, I think. Yeah, and the cool thing is Jared's not crazy. He's not going to sit there and expect you to be 100% every single game. He's going to expect you to battle and try. Um, and that brings me to something else he said yesterday. When Jared was asked why he, you know, did he ever think about pulling Darcy Kemper from the game after the third, fourth, or fifth goals, and he said no. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. He said, it's a 4-4 game. It's a 5-4 game. Like the rest of the team, Darcy Kemper's got a battle, and he did. Yeah, I read a good quote from Jonathan Quick today, and that's kind of the weird spot about being a goalie, right? I mean, yeah, they won 7-5. Darcy Kemper did let in five goals, but they won, right? So in Darcy Kemper's mind, in Jared Bednar's mind, Darcy Kemper did good. It was a good result. Everybody's fine. But you can lose a game one nothing as a goalie and suddenly you're in your own head and thinking, what could I have done better? How could I have won that game? So it's just weird to be, a, a, you know, think of it from the eyes of a goaltender, how you can let in five goals but still feel okay about it because the team did good. Or you can let in one goal, lose the game, and feel like hell. So, I, you know, I think it's so it's, – it's a, it's a tight line to walk, I guess. It is, and the biggest thing for goalies is – you don't need to be the best player on the team. I mean, you would like to, and you'd like to win Conn Smythes and Vezinas and, you know, even heart trophies as we see rarely. You just got to be better than the guy in the other net. So, you know, I'm sitting here talking about safe percentage and Darcy Kemper's numbers and how they compare to Bennington and blah, blah, blah. None of that matters. If you're Darcy Kemper and you have a 970 safe percentage and your team loses three to two, you made what, 46 stops on 48 shots. You're not going to go home and be like, yeah, I feel good. No, you did worse than the guy at the other side. So ultimately, that's all you need to do. And Darcy Kemper did that. He battled and he did that. And obviously, the Avalanche battled and scored more goals than the other forwards. And that's all that mattered. You think Ottawa forwards are going home going, whoo, we put up five goals. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Because the team on the other side put up seven. So it's the same idea for goalies. Uh, the homeboy that put up three goals. I forgot who it was, but he got a Hattie last night. Zach Sanford, Zach yeah. Sanford. Shout out to yeah, him. He might be, he might be going home saying, "Woo, I got oh, three goals." Yeah, he's not going to say that in front of any cameras and in front of everybody else because it's the logo on the front, not the name on the back. But that guy was just traded from St. Louis to Ottawa earlier this season, and yeah, he's feeling pretty good about that. He only had two goals this year before that, so he's kind of more than doubled his numbers. Now we can get to Jared Bednar, and like like I mentioned, there we go. We failed to bring up his extension on the Sunday podcast. Just kind of slipped both of our minds, even though we had it in our notes. But it's still appropriate because in yesterday's victory, he ties Bob Hartley for the most wins in Avalanche history, and one more win, obviously, he can pass it. So uh, big news for Jared Bednar. I mean, both coming at funny timing that they're coming kind of hand in hand and side by side, the the extension and the record. But yeah. Props to Jared Benner for doing what he's done in the short time he's done it. Yeah, we asked him about that in practice on Sunday. And he goes, to be honest with you, and, you know, you hear this a lot, but he goes, I had no idea that was a thing, that, you know, he was actually going to pass or get close to Bob Hartley. He had no idea that that stat was there. And then he kind of stopped and he's like, Hartley probably did it in like half as many games as me. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to be like, no, 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 Jared. We know that 2017, I think Mike said it. He was like, yeah, you know, 17, 18 was a struggle. But since then, you've been pretty damn good. Like your numbers are excellent. So, you know, shout out to Jared Bednar, man. A lot of people give him a lot of crap for no reason. You know, I'm going to use the Brian Burke quote. He said this all the freaking time when he was working in media with Sportsnet. He goes, I just checked with the league again. And last time I checked is the same as this time I checked. And 
I have confirmed that they are in fact still giving out one Stanley Cup every year. There we go. There, there's one guy that's going to win the Stanley Cup every year. So John Cooper won it in 2020. John Cooper won it in 2021. So Jared Bednar is a piece of trash like the other 31 coaches <laughs> in the NHL that should get fired. Like, I don't get it. Um, I've had a lot of people tweeting at me like, oh, look at the avalanche celebrating mediocrity. Like, who are you going to replace him with? Who's going to be the new head coach? I don't understand it. Like, Jared Bender is one of the best coaches in the NHL. If the avalanche fired him, other teams would fire their coach to hire him instantly. He hasn't run his course with the team. He's not just a holdover guy for the next guy. He's a big part of this core. He's part of this team, man. McKinnon, Landisgog, Rantanen, Kel McCarr, Jared Bednar. He's part of the core. So shout out to him for getting that extension. He absolutely deserves it. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a media guy, but he is an absolute delight of a human. He's an amazing person to deal with. He loves hockey. He loves the game. He practices what he preaches. The guy's running... He's running bleachers before every single game. He's running up and down the rinks. The other day they were in Seattle. He was running in the stands before the game while the players were on the ice. He practices what he preaches. And and he's an excellent dude, man. He's going to win a Stanley Cup with this team. And, and you know whether, whether that comes true or not, I don't know. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say he does do it. And just because he's lost three second rounds in a row doesn't mean he's a bad coach. It means he got beat in three series, just like he won three series. And it happens. It is what it is. But man, let's just take it a little easy on guys like Jared Bednar when it comes to saying we got to fire him because they lost in the second round or we got to trade this guy. Because right now we're having a conversation about Nazem Kadri being this amazing player that we need to re-sign before we get to the offseason. And then Joe Sackick and the Avalanche are, are hamstrung by the cap. Well, games three, four, five, and six of the season... When Azam Kadri had three games or four games in a row with zero points, everybody's like, all right, well, can we please get a new second line center? This guy's washed. So which way is it? Are we just going to ride the highs and lows and just give an opinion with every single one? It's the same exact thing with Jared Bednar, man. Shout out to that dude for the extension. I love the guy. It's fun to ride the wave sometimes, but no, I- I'm with you. You know, I think we could put to rest the the ideal, I- ideal- ideology. Boom. The ideology that you heard from a lot of fans there early in the season that he lost the locker room or maybe his message got stale. I think it's evident that it's the opposite because he was able to turn things around, right? It looks like everybody's trying harder. Everybody's given that effort that was kind of lacking in those early losses. And it, the message is still as strong as it's ever been. So I think uh, one thing that really stands out to me about it is that you look at the past and you think of Bob Hartley, you think of uh, Mark Crawford. And you kind of view those guys as, as legends, right? Those are Avs coaching legends. And the fact that Jared Bednar is passing him in wins and and in games coached yeah, behind the, the next, bench. The next win, the next game he wins, he'll have passed him. Right. So right, I think right there, all he needs is just one cup. And he's, boom, in the upper echelon of all Avs coaches ever, right? He's not just on the Mount Rushmore. He's the head guy. So, uh, you know, just yeah. one cup away from being the greatest Avalanche coach ever, it seems. He's just he's just one cup away from being almost as good as Joe Sacco. <laughs> that's low. Sorry, I'm, that's I'm, low. Just ki- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, please. Especially, you know, Bednar um, listens to us. We're sorry, Jared. We're sorry. He didn't mean it. Uh, moving on here. Lastly, like we've, have, we've had to end a lot of podcasts this season with an injury update because we're still waiting on some key guys back. But they're getting better. There's some better. good news on the horizon here. So what, what are we looking at here, Arif? So the updates this time around were not with Nathan McKinnon and JT Comfer. Those guys, as we know, McKinnon is slated to start in December on that avalanche road trip, hopefully play December 1st in Toronto. JT Comfer still weighs away. Obviously, his initial diagnosis was one month. But the updates we did get is Bowen Byram is feeling a heck of a lot better. He could be clear to play Friday at Dallas. So the avalanche play Wednesday at home tomorrow against the Anaheim Ducks. They got Thanksgiving off. They play Friday in Dallas. They play Saturday back at home against Matt Duchesne and the Preds. Byram could be clear to play against Dallas Friday. If he doesn't, then maybe he plays Saturday. Then there's a couple of other guys. Martin Cow and goaltender Pavel Fransuz will be traveling to Dallas to continue to skate with the team. They're not going to play Friday, but the Avalanche don't even want to give him a day off of skating and practicing. And Jared says both of them are getting close. So we are getting ever so close here to a fully healthy lineup between now and December 1st, there could be the possibility that the only guys left injured are JT Comfer, which is a big piece 
And I think Stefan Mateau is still on the injury list, but that's it. You know, once he gets healthy again, he'll probably be sent down to the AHL. Martin Kaut, we'll see. You know, maybe he plays over Magna. Maybe he goes right down. Maybe he gets a shot over Sherwood. But with Pavel Francouz hopefully getting back and Bowen Byram hopefully getting back and Nathan McKinnon slated to be about a week, week and a half away, man, you insert those guys into a team that's won five straight games and you can finally start to give Darcy Kemper some days off. Watch out, NHL, man. This this Avalanche team is loaded. And that'd be great timing for them as they head out on a five-game road trip to start December if they've got they almost play a, lot a full of games, lineup. A lot of games, right. yes. So to, to, so to be buzzing in there with a full lineup almost and uh, playing the way they've been playing, uh, it, it could really do big things for uh, the standings and a couple wins here. They could even string together a few that, that plops them right up to the top of the division. Exactly, and 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 especially the biggest thing here is you're playing a lot of teams where you can give Dar- uh, Darcy Kemper the night off uh, against easier teams to kind of see if if uh, Pavel Francouz can kind of get his feet wet and get back into a rhythm, back to being that guy that we know and love from pre-COVID. Um, they got the Ottawa Satur- Senators. Saturday, December 4th. Yep, Ottawa Senators. Seems like the perfect the opportunity to see Francouz. Well, don't even, go, don't even go that far into it. Toronto, December 1st. Toronto's a good team. You play Kemper. You hope to win. Then the very next night, they're in Montreal against a team that is struggling badly. You know Kemper's not going to play two nights in a row. So if Frankie is ready December 2nd, you're going to play Johansson against the Habs, which is fine. But it would be great to see if you can get uh, Pavel Francouz in there and then bring you know go back with uh, Darcy Kemper. But then you have Philadelphia. You have a lot of other games. Start Francouz off with a team like Ottawa or Montreal. No disrespect to those guys, but they're way lower in the standings than teams like Toronto. And then just build from there. And with that, with the backup, the back-to-backs coming this weekend, Dallas, Friday, Nashville, Saturday, which game do you put Johansson in? You're probably in Dallas. I would say in Dallas. You bring, you come back with Kemper at home, but in Dallas against a team that's kind of you know struggling, even though the last I checked they were beating Edmonton one nothing. you go with Jonas Johansson against the Stars in Dallas. Oh, Lord, don't. Don't don't keep your expectations too high is all I got to say. I mean, I know he's been fine. I just still see some major flaws in his game that I don't he's think He's a third else string sees. goalie. I know. I okay, swear to God, okay, I know. Okay. But you're not are you playing Kemper back to back in November? No, no. No, no it's not you're happening. Not. And you're not you're not playing the 52-year-old grandpa either. Yeah, you're not playing the 52-year-old grandpa that was at practice, the dude with grandkids. You're not calling up Eustis Anin or Hunter Miska. If Frankie's not ready to go, Jonas Johansson is playing one of those games either against Dallas or Nashville, and I would certainly not want him to play against Nashville because, A, that's a home game, it's a better team, and Matt Duchesne is hot. last thing you want is for Matt Duchesne to come to Ball Arena, score three or four goals, and go out feeling good about himself. Nobody wants Matt Duchesne feeling good about himself. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I, I think Jonas Johansson, if Frankie's not ready, you start him against Dallas, and then you come back with Kemper at home on Saturday against the Preds. I haven't been following the Eagles much, but I have heard good things about Annanen so far this year. So, um, you know, I'd love it if he could somehow hop over Johansson in the depth chart. And I think a lot of Avs fans would too, right? Because I've been promising things for the prospect that we've all had a lot of hopes for. So we'll see how that unfolds. But nothing can be better than having Francis back in the lineup, and that's who you can rely on on games that you need to give a backup goalie a game. Because I'm tired of seeing Johansson, and I, I just he makes me scared. My, my my balls are in my throat every time he faces a shot. I'm not going to lie. He's such a nice guy, too. <laughs> it's so hard to hate the dude. Hey, uh, I'm a nice guy, Arif. I'm not, I, I'm not getting any starts. You can't get <laughs> starts just because you're a nice guy. So let me kind of run through a little bit of Eustace Annan. And early in the season, he struggled a lot. Obviously, the smaller ice coming from overseas and playing on the Olympic-sized ice uh, has been a little bit of an adjustment for him. His first few starts, this is how many goals against he let in. Four, five, three, five, four. So he was letting in a lot of goals. It wasn't until October 30th that he finally let in just one goal. And now his last starts have been one, one, two, one, three, three, one. So he's starting to get into that groove. He's starting to bring his numbers up. He started way down in the basement, but now he's up to an 898 safe percentage. Still sucks, I know. But obviously, given those first games that he had, it's going to take him a little bit longer to build, you know, to kind of come out of that hole. And, you know, after all, Darcy Kemper is kind of going through the same thing with the 906. So you just want to see Eustace in and get better, get acclimated to this ice over here, get acclimated to the North American game, because that's the guy you're going to keep your eye on over the next few years. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I guess that's a good place for us to uh, end it. Wouldn't you say, Arif? We were meant to be a, a quicker podcast. It's pretty much the same length that we do a long podcast on. So sorry, but we're not that sorry. It's, hey, I, I, we love talking hockey. We love talking the avalanche. And even though it's one game podcast, you know, you always have to account for six or seven minutes to talk about the many injuries the team always has. You always <laughs> got to account for five or six minutes to talk about Nazem Kadri continuing his point streak. And then from there, you know, it adds up. You're already up to 45, 50 minutes. I do want to shout out the person on Reddit. Their username's a little bit longer. It's Dynamite W Laser Beam. Yeah, did I get that right? I did, yes. Dynamite W Laser Beam. And it's a very long name, but I do got to shout out this person because not only did they say nice work on the pod, thank you, Dynamite W Laser oh, Beam, you. for the uh, compliment, but this one you're going to like, JJ. They said, I especially love the sign-off listening to the latest while on the way to the Ottawa game. So they were listening to us while on the way to the game yesterday at Ball Arena, but the sign-off, which I'm guessing is the bless your hearts and the we out you and the hockey is for all the, you know, the spiel that you do at the end of every episode. So shout out to Dynamite W Laser Beam on Reddit for shouting out JJ for having a hell of a sign-off to the episode. New Habibi of the show right there. The new Habibi of the show right there. And, and you know, this was now my we've got two. This was my cue to tell you to get it going, wrap her up so that we can <laughs> yeah, make Dynamite yeah, yeah. W laser beam happy. Well, I guess that that's uh, that's where we stop it. So, of course, thanks to everybody for listening to us. We'll be back. We'll actually get to cover three games in our next podcast, which is exciting. But I love the fact that we can pull an hour out of a three-hour game, right? I mean, not that many things happen, but we can talk for an hour about it. I, I love that. So thanks, Arif. Thanks to you. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to everybody. As always, everybody's feeling thankful with oh, yeah. Thanksgiving around the corner, and I cut you off right I when forgot. you got to that. I thought you were doing, I thought you were doing that on purpose, thanking everybody for Thanksgiving. I wasn't. Thanks for catching me. I almost forgot. You were just being an, you, you were just being a nice yeah. guy, thanking everybody. Still well, no yeah, starts. It's cool, because next no time starts. we talk, <laughs> next time we talk will be this weekend, Saturday or Sunday, likely Sunday after that game. Uh, we'll be. I will be in Detroit, and a couple days away from heading to Toronto for that game on Wednesday. But with that, I will let you do your thing. Got two more thank yous. Of course, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage. Check them both out. Support the show. Support the businesses that support the show. That being said, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Hockey is for everyone, and we out you.